I'm Suzanne Nance, and this is The State of the Arts, a new all-classical Portland series designed to chronicle the times and provide a platform for regional arts leaders to talk about their organization. My guest today is Cynthia Furman, the Managing Director of Portland Center Stage. Cynthia, welcome to The State of the Arts. Thank you so much for being with me today. Take us back. Take us back to the outset of this global health crisis. What happened at Portland Center Stage? It's so funny because when you think back, that's, that feels ages ago and it's really three months, right? <laughs> we certainly were tracking it, especially with the first outbreak being relatively close to home, being in Seattle. And so I was talking to my peers up there quite a bit about what they were starting to be concerned about, knowing that it was going to roll to us as well. Theater people are naturally optimistic or you couldn't be in this business. And I think we still thought, okay, well, we'll, we'll implement all kinds of great cleaning protocols. And the audience response was really positive. Like, great, that makes us feel so good. We can't wait to see the show. You know, everybody was in that sort of like, yeah, we can do this. We can get through this moment. And then, as you know, stuff snowballed so quickly into like, no, this is a pretty dangerous moment. So it's going to be more intense than that. So once the governor's mandate came down around large gatherings and we realized we're going to have to close the theaters, you know, we pulled our team together and talked about what that meant. It breaks my heart to think that you were in such a successful run of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime when this all hit. And I also know that you were in previews for Nine Parts of Desire, that incredibly powerful one-woman show. We went ahead and did a performance that night of the show for staff and board members who maybe wouldn't have seen it yet because they would come to opening. Poignantly, it's about Iraqi women during the time of war and during the time of crisis. And so one woman playing nine different Iraqi women. Anyway, so it was a very moving way to sort of end that period of time and close the theaters down. And what has been the financial impact? For us, we earn about 62% of our revenue via the box office and or other activities in our building, you know, other classes or rentals or whatever. So it was a pretty big sudden precipice of cash just being gone. So we pivoted to working with our donors and with individuals as well as local foundations and just really reaching out to as many people as we could to figure out how we could get through the next few months until we could really see where we were and understand what our options might be moving forward. Were you able to secure a PPP loan? We were in the second round, but for us, for like many businesses, the intent of the PPP was obviously to keep uh, people employed and not do layoffs. Well, we couldn't wait for that. We didn't have cash to pay people. So we did layoffs of the people that run the productions, uh, scene shops, costumes, stage managers, lighting teams, sound teams, obviously actors. And, you know, and at the time we thought they really were furloughs. You know, we sort of thought, well, by end of March, early April, a couple weeks, flatten the curve, you know, we're going to be okay. But every step along the way, you know, you're tracking what's happening. You're, you're getting your best resources from the experts. And it became pretty clear we had to face a longer shutdown. Portland Center Stage does a lot to bring children into the theater. Can you talk about your youth programs and how they are now impacted? We actually had already exceeded the number of students attending shows this year, even though we didn't get to do our last four shows of the year. They were just coming in droves. So we were going to be at about eight or 9,000 students coming to see these matinee performances. 
So that's one program. We have a very active teen council. They, during normal times, would be getting a monthly class in some element of theater. We do um, programs where they can connect to professional artists, etc. We've moved those to the virtual space. Our teen council is still having a monthly event and it's they're doing a dance class. They're in their own living room on Zoom, but um, they're doing it. Another really robust program we call Visions and Voices, where we go into the schools with teaching artists and it's a playwriting program. Some of that work was able to continue one-on-one, -on -one, but we're having to retool what that will look like in the fall, whether it's physical or whether or not, whether schools are still doing virtual work, but we are retooling that. We usually have summer camps in the summer. So we usually have two sessions. We're modeling them as like, if we can be in the room together with social distancing, what does that look like? If we can't, then how do we transport them to the virtual world? Portland Center Stage is part of a national project that I'm really excited about, Play at Home. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's actually a project that was started by a couple other theaters nationally, some of our peer theaters, the public, Baltimore Center Stage. They started this project, uh, Play at Home, which basically was like they're going to com they're commissioning in their cities, their local playwrights to write these short, you know, 10 minute plays that are designed to be read, um, you know, a family sitting in their living room together, friends getting on to a video chat um, and doing these plays together. Um, so we were able to commission four local Portland playwrights and they're $500 commissions, you know, so the playwright gets some money, we get to support them, which is great. When you think about the mission, what is it about the theater that drives you? At any given night, somebody, at least one person and usually more, has that experience where they walk away and they've changed something about the way they think about the world. And I think it's something theater's uniquely built to do, along with being completely entertaining and diverting and taking you out of your own life for, you know, two or three hours or whatever. Realizing there are a lot of concerns right now, what is keeping you up at night in regard to the theater? One, I'm, I'm mostly sleeping really well because the days are so exhausting <laughs> that I kind of, I tried to read last night and I couldn't keep my eyes open. So that's, that's the good part. Every day wipes you out. We're not built as human beings to deal with this much uncertainty. And then if you layer that on to people who work in the theater who are so driven by like the play will open on this date. Therefore, everything we need to get done needs to be done by that date. The uncertainty is so unsettling. I think my biggest fear is really, can we keep our company at a much scaled down scale intact long enough that we can then pivot to be able to open theater again? anything to do with live events. So that's concerts, that's sporting events, all those, all those worlds will be the last to come back. It's about science. You know, are we going to have an effective treatment? Are we going to have a vaccine? But also people feeling safe and, and able to do that. So are there ways we can give them a taste of the live experience through other, other mechanisms? My concern is we don't know how long this gap is. This series, The State of the Arts, has really helped us uncover some of the lesser known facts about our local arts organizations. Is there something that maybe a lot of us in the community might not know about the theater world or, or not expect? 
Yeah, it's funny because I think people don't actually realize sometimes that some theater is nonprofit. Like when they go to see the big Broadway shows that come through town, those aren't. Those are commercial. Those are money making. That's why the tickets are a lot higher. You know, we make about 60% of our budget at the box office, which means the actual cost of those tickets translated to doing the work is a lot higher. So we're both selling tickets and we're raising contributed income to make up the gap. So, you know, when you turn off 62% of the revenue from tickets, and you're also not bringing those people into your space, connecting them to the work, which is also how you inspire them to make contributions on top of their ticket sales. You have to pivot in a big, big way about how, how can we generate some revenue to keep going in the interim? How do we keep in touch with our community and continue to serve our community when the main way in which we do that is not accessible to us? And have you allowed yourself to think about what it will be like to welcome a live audience back into the theater when we're able to do so? I've talked to my peers around the country and everybody really believes that the hunger that's going to be uncorked for some kind of live performance interaction shared with other people in a real space is just going to go through the roof. It might be 40 people spread out in a 600-seat theater to listen to four actors read a play on stage because they can't get close to each other either. But I think even that moment's going to feel like, ah, it's a shared experience with people that are really here. It's going to feel amazing. Cynthia Furman, thank you so much for speaking with me today on The State of the Arts. Thank you. Thanks for asking. That's Cynthia Furman, the Managing Director of Portland Center Stage. You can learn more at pcs.org. This has been the State of the Arts, a new series dedicated to sharing the microphone with regional arts leaders and chronicling the times. To learn more, listen to archived interviews, or read written interviews, visit allclassical.org. Special thanks to producers Andrea Murray and Christina Becker. For All Classical Portland, I'm Suzanne Nance. Thanks so much for listening.